1: 25 minutes now before 4 o'clock. You know, it's a good thing that this is radio because if you could see the picture now, Bob (laughs) Reynolds is here. Mark (laughs) Davis is here. We're all in our 60s. Looks like a sequel to Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Looks like they opened the door to the old folks all right? All (laughs) the dinosaurs.
1: (laughs) Bob, I'm so glad you're here. Nice to see you. How are you?
2: Good. Thank you for
1: inviting me. So I'm dr- I'm going to Danville you know, the other day, and and I'm thinking we're going to be doing vote fraud. And I remember now. Tell me if my, if I'm right. I started at 16 in 1981. Is that when you did this special?
2: 1981,
1: 82, yeah. I thought so, because I remember walking into that newsroom and hearing about you doing this investigative report, Pittston Bogus Ballots. And what I remember is, did you you rented a photo. Just tell us what you did, because this is an amazing story.
2: Well, what we did with uh, the videotape that we shot, we actually went to uh, a bank and put it in, in the bank, the tapes. Because uh, I had an incident at my house where uh, I came home one day and all my mail was strewn in the living room of my house. I took that as a message is that we can get at you
1: at any time. Wow! I mean, yeah, I remember that story. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't remember that. Now, yeah. but, but what made what what sparked you to even think that there was a story about this vote fraud?
2: Well, as you know, TV stations go around during the uh, election day and get pictures of people voting. Right. Well, one of our photographers went into this one polling place, and there's two people in the voting booth. Legally, if you have, if you're impaired, that you can ask for assistance. But there was no assistance needed here. We were being told how to vote. And uh, in fact, one lady we interviewed said she was in the polling place by herself, and. Somebody came up behind her and said, you'll vote this way and start clicking the levers. Oh, man. man. Yeah, that was pretty... uh,
0: Now, Bob, I know it was a state police as well as a Federal Bureau of Investigation investigation. Right. But had the investigation started before you started your work? No. So they didn't start on it until after you started finding some evidence. What we did is
2: I called the state police, the FBI, the Postal Service and Secret Service. And I asked them, I've got something here you should see. Um, We met in the the conference room at NEP, Mm -hmm. and uh, I laid it out for them, and I said, we'll give you one week, heads up. You do what you have to do. We'll give you a week before we air this. And we aired it, and uh, the stuff hit the fan.
1: It certainly did, because... Is that when your mail... I mean, when it hit the fan, that's when the people ransacked your house? No, it was before. Before. (laughs) They knew we were in the neighborhood. And they knew you were sniffing,
2: yeah. In fact, one guy who... 21 people were indicted because of... Including the mayor of Pittston at the time. Yeah, but there. I was trying to look this up. Something happened with the with his charges. I don't know if they were dismissed or, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But but anyway, um, 21 people were indicted, so of course we're at the federal courthouse to try to talk to these people. The one guy came out, and don't worry, Frank, I'm not gonna use the word, and he says, you know, Reynolds, I hope you die before I do. Because I want to blank
1: on your, <laughs> on your grave. grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, was, did you get that on camera? <laughs> no. But 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 I do recall that there, now, now I'm going way ahead of the story here, but wasn't there a guy that was screaming, I'll bet you $10,000 that something would happen? And then when he was indicted, didn't you show up and say, I'm here to get my $10,000? Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
2: Yeah, (laughs) I I was questioned at the station as to why I asked that question. I said, well, he bet me.
0: (laughs) Well, to this day, I've got good buddies that are retired state police officers who still talk about this story because they had investigated what Bob had found out, found it to be true, and they were starting to get more and more evidence, and then the feds came in and made it an even bigger investigation. But a lot of the stuff that Bob had... They verified through their own investigative tactics. And we had a news director at the time, Nick Lawler, who hired you, hired me. I don't know if Nick was there and hired you too. Nick was a... Very excitable guy, couldn't we say?
1: Right, Nick Nick. Nick. at one time was in the seminary to be a priest and then became a news director. Yes, and I don't know how
0: those two <laughs> things equate, but I can remember him standing in the newsroom saying, oh boy, we've got this big story. And he was going crazy, he right. was so excited about this. And I remember that meeting when they said, you got a week because
1: we're going with this because we've got the proof. But Bob, what 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 was the photocopy machine? Were you making thousands of copies of something? What was that?
2: The station rented a photocopier, and sent me down to the uh, election bureau, voter registration. Yeah, and I, in this one precinct, I spent the entire day, photocopying signatures. And uh, I had to work fast because I got word that the feds were coming in the next day to subpoena and take everything, take everything. So that was, I had a a short window, eight hours to do this. And um, we hired two. People who uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for
0: here? Just to clerical assistance or something no, to help you with the no, paperwork?
2: No, no, mm-hmm. no. To uh, no, I did this all by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, signature experts. Oh yeah. Oh okay. handwriting okay. experts. Yeah. Hand- yeah. Handwriting yeah. Experts. analysis. Yeah. And they, you know, saw what we had, and they named some names, and uh, because we wanted to be sure we were. Accurate, sure. But some of these signatures—I mean, you don't—you—you you don't have to be a handwriting expert. The signatures were so bad—they didn't even come close to matching. Didn't up. even come close. I mean,
1: yeah. you—you'd have to be an idiot. Not- and we're back now, 17 minutes before 4 o'clock, and you're going to be hearing that throughout the afternoon because we do have some nasty weather coming our way. All right, we got to take our first break. Bob Reynolds is here. Mark Davis is here. We're talking about the first of many, many stories that Bob did, Pittston Bogus Ballads. This is fascinating. We'll be right back on WYLK. 14 minutes before 4 and Bogus Ballots, an unbelievable piece of investigative reporting by Newswatch 16 reporter Bob Reynolds. Now, he's here along with Mark Davis. The reason I think this is important, when that was done, the fallout, the ripple effect was that, was everybody started thinking about polling places and elections and vote fraud and what was going on. And here we are, 2018 and there's still questions about, you know, undocumented people and absentee ballots and provisional ballots. So I think it, it's it's an important story to just remind us of this. Now, Bob, you were talking about the signatures and photocopying. Explain what what that what that is.
2: Well, it was a simple process, but it got I, I don't know who. I don't know who got into office because of this. That's impossible to tell. But we all know when we go to vote, we have to sign a certificate. Yeah, you sign it upside down. Right. Right. It's right side
0: up for the voter, the clerk at the table, but to you, it's the other way. Right,
2: Right. and the reason is to make sure you are you. Right. Well, what they were doing is um, people who didn't vote that day Obviously had blank certificates there,
0: right? Because there was no signature to match the
2: record. Right. They they didn't, didn't vote for whatever reason. They would lock the door, go into those unsigned certificates, sign the person's name and go into the voting booth and click away.
0: And this is before electronics. This was a, the right. old machines, which yeah. you and I have covered. Yeah, yeah, those old green of, ones with the With the buttons. levers. Yeah. And you'd, it, around the back is how they would count them There'd be a tape inside the machine right. where they would say, you know, Frank Andrews, 210 votes or whatever. But there's no time on it. So even though the polls were closed, right. they were still yeah, tabulating no, no. ballots. Okay.
2: The funny thing about this is nobody received any money. Uh, as far as I know, but this is the way it was done.
0: This was habit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. It was just standard operating procedure yeah. in, in lots of little towns.
0: It was because it wasn't watched the way it is today. And and now there's still accusations of well, voter fraud in those states. Well, now, now, now,
1: Bob, you, 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 know, you, you see the news and you hear them talking about what's going on in Florida and Arizona and all that stuff. Do you just shake your head and go, you know, same old, same old?
2: Well, I don't know all the facts in Florida and Arizona. He's still a reporter.
0: (laughs) Now, what about any reforms that came out after all this was over, after the 21 people were indicted and they went through the legal system? Did Luzerne County then institute any fail-safes to stop that from happening in the future?
2: Well, the first thing they did is they eliminated that precinct. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And um, (laughs) they eliminated the precinct. That's right. Get rid of the problem. (laughs) Uh, No, 21 people were indicted. Um, We tried to be at at every, they all pled guilty. And most of them were put on probation, federal probation. But that's still something they're walking around with. Right. Right. And um, they took me off the air for three months to do this. Can you imagine that a and local that,
0: station that in the market size of. that we're at right. to take a reporter off the street for 3 months. It's unheard of nowadays. I don't never
1: happened. Well, Listen, the TV news that we did and TV news now is a whole different world. But 3 months and then and then you just took that photocopy machine just stood there all day but i didn't know that you had contacted the the federal government the fbi oh, the secret yeah. service and, and said, su-
2: i'll be honest with you i'm surprised they showed up why i i just am i'm a you know a reporter from a local television station i call the fbi and say i have evidence of voter fraud would you meet us at x time at the station and they showed
0: up wow Yeah, but that had to go to some of the credibility you had already built up being a reporter on the air because they're going to say this isn't just some crazy call. They must have something that may require further investigation.
1: Now Bob, we'll we'll have stories that'll happen and Mark will come charging in here and he and I will be talking about how one of the missing elements today in the media is a really tough editor like Absher. <laughs> right, like Absher, right? You know. God bless Bob Absher. God bless Bob Absher. Well, he made us what we are. But did but w- w- in every step of this thing, did you have lawyers looking over your shoulder and everybody making sure that you were doing this you you know, because I mean, you were gonna you were gonna impact lives as you did.
2: Yeah, we had um, Larry Ludwig.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: that sounds right.
1: Yeah, he, he was a he partner of one over, of the big law
0: firms in Scranton that represented the station. Your memory yeah. is holding up. Yep. He, <laughs> it's uh, the prevision.
2: <laughs> he looked over all the scripts, and he basically said, "There's no problem here. It's all true."
0: <laughs> you know. Well, because you had the evidence. It right. was locked away in a safe at that bank proving what you were saying on the air. There was, um,
2: what did I want to say here? Uh, I lost my train of thought.
1: That's what happens when you're 65. <laughs> when, when, the, when, when, when the series hit, What was the response? I mean, did you get death threats? Were people hunting you down? Were people applauding you? Did every precinct in 22 counties call and say, hey, take a look at ours too?
2: Yeah, I got a lot of those calls. You (laughs) you, you shouldn't have stopped. Um, But uh, like I said, the lawyer looked over everything and said he's got the proof. And we must have had the proof because 21 people got whacked. They got indicted.
1: Wow. This is incredible.
0: And we were talking about the excited nature of Nick Lawler, the news director. Right. But to balance him, you had the ombudsman, so to speak, of Bob Absher saying, well, can you say this? What are your sources for this? Because you and I used to go through that all the time. Right. I can remember the news theme starting the show. I've got the lead story, and Bob would be saying geez, you only have two sources on this? You couldn't get a third one? Can yeah. you call anybody right now? Bob, it's gonna, well, you know, that's an air unless we get that third source.
1: I, I'm coming into work today and I'm thinking, um, we, we, could, we could probably do a half hour on absurisms, you know, all the stuff that he would make us change. Like I remember I would, I would be writing a script and I would say, and at the accident scene, the uh, coroner performed an autopsy and he would look at me and he go, yeah, performed an autopsy, Juggling. Do, 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 do. What do you mean performed an autopsy? Why don't you just say he said he was de- Pronounced him dead. He's dead. He would, he would make fun of all of our every writers. every
0: adjective or every <laughs> verb you
1: used. Yep, yep. Uh, totally destroyed. What do you mean totally destroyed? If it's destroyed, it's total. Don't say totally destroyed. Exactly. They took him to a local hospital. No, they flew him to Kentucky. he But would
0: say. to this day, when I'm writing news in that newsroom, <laughs> I
1: know. I'll take those words <laughs> out and wait. Well, no, because it's so
0: ingrained in your brain,
1: Bob. You said God bless Bob Absher, He he really was an editor of of, of the best quality. Wasn't
0: oh, he? He. Uh he was one
2: of a kind uh, i remember him looking over a script of mine and some story that i can't uh, remember right now and he had a problem with the words would or could <laughs> and he said this can't air and this this story can't air i said Good, Bob, I'll go home early. (laughs) And I got up and I started walking away, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) No, he's, uh, I know he's had some health issues. Yeah, he does. And uh, Bob, if you're listening, you left a bigger mark on journalists Mm -hmm. than I could ever do. But wait a minute, if you said if he's
1: listening, I just got the chills.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a WNEP TV reunion every year or two and his name comes up hundreds of times right. in every conversation that you have even with the young ones who say oh, that's all I hear about is bob this and bob that bob that and, bob that. and it's it's the training that we all have dave cresante the current executive producer says I right. call on my experience with Bob every single day that I'm at work.
1: All right. Now, we got to take a break. Bob, I want, I want to pressure you to stay a bit because you've got so many other stories. I mean, I can think of one there's no place to hide and others and, and, no. a, and a bunch of murder stories that we were on, one of which we were, you and I were threatened to be arrested for um, interfering with the investigation. We'll talk about that when we come back on WY. Okay. Now before four o'clock. We're going to continue this conversation because I'm telling you, I, I hope you're enjoying it because Mark Davis and I are. Bob Reynolds is here, uh, and we're just talking about some of the great stories that were done. This Pits and Bogus Ballots, I'm telling you, it is a it is a story that just reminds us that we have to be vigilant about to protect our voting rights. So we'll, we'll talk more about that when we come back. But right now... Frank Andrews is honored to have in the studio today uh, Bob Reynolds, retired investigative reporter, Newswatch 16, Mark Davis, a retired <laughs> reporter, Newswatch 16. But still trying to make a living. <laughs> right? yeah. um, and, and, you know, Paula is in the newsroom so that Mark can stay here so that we can have this walk down memory line. And it, it, to us, it's fascinating. I hope you folks out there are enjoying it as much. Now, now Bob, I want to ask you this question. Of every story you did, every story, what is the one that stands out in your mind as uh, either the greatest, the most impact, whatever?
2: Well, on a personal level, involving a family, it had to be the murder case in Susquehanna County. In 1996, two guys were out skeet shooting. And... uh, the one guy ends up dead. They were best of friends, but the shooter was fooling around with this guy's wife, so he and the, the uh, victim was a devout Catholic. He didn't believe in divorce. So to get rid of this guy, the uh, this guy was a doctor, shot him. At first, when the state police got there and the coroner got there, they ruled it an accident that he tripped over his shotgun and blew part of his heart away. We were able to show that there were a lot of questions about this. And uh, after we did our story, uh, the next day they exhumed his body to do another autopsy. And the autopsy showed that there was no way that this was an accident. So our story basically spurred them on to look further into this. Uh, the doctor was convicted. Uh, the doctor's name is? Stephen Shear. <laughs> I remember that. Made national news. And um, he, uh, he had two trials, both trials he was convicted. Uh, he's, he went to prison and died in prison. Oh, okay. And his, his wife was a nurse. I think she lost her nursing license for a while because right in the middle of the trial, we found out that she perjured herself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was not a popular person. <laughs> but also, and you, you were in on this story. Right. The great chase Lunario, oh yeah, no, yeah, the, the, great oh, no chase uh, from
1: the SkyCam uh, chase, uh, SkyCam chase, uh, Skycam chase. Uh, Kevin, Kenneth made... Lunan, right? Kenneth I was, I was truck. anchoring on the air. You were in the helicopter, Bob. Right. I was, I was doing the play-by-play with you in the helicopter,
0: and that night. Peter Jennings was the World News Tonight anchor, and he said, "Now our local affiliate here is Bob Reynolds." <laughs> wow! And they had a clip of the skycam footage because we had Jim Barrett, James Barrett McNulty, was the mayor, right. who said we saved lives that right. day right. because people got off the streets as they're chasing this guy right. in the truck going through all the streets in Scranton, and things just stopped I because remember. people were remember watching that, the chase Bob? live on the air. Yeah, uh, one
2: one thing that a lot of people don't know uh i had lunch with bob absher one day and uh he tells me that one day kenneth lundin shows up at the station oh my gosh <laughs> yeah and he wanted a copy of the tape, tape. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the, the station's policy at least at that time was you could look at the tape but unless you have a subpoena it doesn't leave here that's right right that's right and i said to bob well why didn't you ask him for an interview? <laughs> he, <laughs> he didn't have an answer. <laughs> you know, not, not, if the situation was reversed, I would have gotten my butt reamed up.
1: Yeah. Now, here's, here's my famous Absher story. He was, he was really big on, on privacy. You, you didn't have access to our stuff, especially what didn't air, raw stuff. So he gets subpoenaed to bring a tape to a court. And he's fighting and fighting, it, fighting. It. So he brings the tape to court. Finally, gets subpoenaed. Brings tape to the court, and he's sitting there. And the, and they said, well, "What is your name?" Oh, "Bob Absher? "And did you bring the tape?" "Yes, I brought the tape." "Play it." And he looks at the lawyers and says, says "You didn't subpoena a machine to play the tape."
0: <laughs> I remember that too. We all we often talk about the little cards that we had.
1: Yes, remember and those. If pop- there was
0: something that was being shuttered from the public. You re- stood up and you said. I'm Mike right. Davis, a reporter for WNEP-TV News 116, and I hereby request a separate hearing before the proceedings can continue. And many times, you'd call Bob, and within a half hour or an hour, you'd have a lawyer at the courthouse, and there'd be a hearing. Right. The one that I remember, the biggest one, was there was a, uh, it actually went, actually to the state Supre- Supreme Court, was when there was a uh, gag order and then a, a severe order when we could photograph George Banks during his murder trial. We were segregated with the photographers only on the one floor of the courthouse. And of course, the, the, the ruling didn't come down till long after the case was over, but they continued to pursue it and all the appellate courts eventually went to the Supreme Court and we were found to be in the right. But it took years. But that was another thing that Bob just would not let it go because he thought the gag order was too restrictive on a free press.
1: Now, Bob Bob Reynolds, when when the Stephen Share case, who who sparked you on that? I mean, where where did the the beginning investigation come from? Why? I mean, of, if it was ruled an accident. Why why not let a sleeping dog lie there?
2: Well, a, a friend of the family, the family was convinced that this that. Uh, His name was Martin Dillon, was murdered. But they couldn't get anybody to listen to them. So uh, they also had stacks of documents from the state police. How they got them, I don't know. I didn't ask. Uh, But we looked at the documents. Uh, We actually, they, they flew us. To South Carolina, where the doctor was practicing medicine, and he comes out of a store, and we're there. Oh boy! <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm asking him. You know, there's a lot of questions about this, and uh, like, he he actually called the cops on us. <laughs> And I explained to the officer, why were you there? And he says, well, have a safe day, see ya.
1: <laughs> I said yesterday, Bob, uh, it used to be in the old days, um, the joke was, if Mike Wallace in 60 Minutes shows up at your door, you know you are having a bad day. I said, the same thing locally was true. If Bob Reynolds shows up at your door with a camera crew in the morning, you know you're having a bad day. <laughs> because another, you, were, you were the investigator. You were always doing the tough cases. Another story was Old Forge.
2: They Alicia. had the Yakavazi Landfill. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The oh, landfill. we got, boy, oh,
1: boy. And the, and I remember this infamous video. Tell us about the, that. The
2: video was basically a truck dumping off barrels of something. Mm-hmm. And um, they had, the EPA came in, and they had what's called a, a remedial master plan, which showed what was in there. And what would happen? There were there was barrels of cyanide laying next to barrels of acid. If the acid mixes with the cyanide, you've got cyanide ga- Cyanide gas in Old Forge. Well, we did the story from this master plan, and. Uh, We weren't very popular then either. The people of Old Forge, I think,
1: realized what was going on. But what, that video of the the truck dumping, I mean, did you stake something out for hours and hours and hours? No, that was
2: another reporter. Um, He was there forever. uh, Martin, um, I don't remember, but we didn't do that. He did it and I don't know what stories came out of that, but um, the owner of the landfill wouldn't talk to us. So one day, there's one road going in and out of the landfill, (laughs) and he comes driving down the road, and I stood in the middle of the road, And my photographer's saying, he's going to run you over. I said, well, if he runs me over, you've got it on tape. (laughs) You know, he'll stop. And he did stop. And he rolls the window down. And I said, you know, Phil, you know, I've got this report that says you're dumping all this stuff. And he says, no, that's detergent. And he rolled up the window and drove away. He was also charged. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, boy, I'll tell you. All right, we got to take a break. We're going to get an update on traffic and weather, and we'll be back. We got more to talk about. More to talk about. Bob Reynolds, WNEP, Newswatch 16, Mark Davis is here. We'll stroll down memory lane and some of the biggest stories we've ever covered. We'll be right back on WILK. Bob Reynolds, someone texted and said, uh, listening to all your stories, I wouldn't sit near an open window with this guy like you. <laughs> I, Im- I imagine that you have, you have made lots of friends with your reports, but I bet you had a few enemies, too. Oh, yeah. I,
2: uh, like I said, I-, I, I made a lot of uh, people think. Uh, one of the stories we did, uh, you probably remember what happened to Flight 800. Yes. Yep. Which uh, an aircraft with uh, kids from Montoursville area high school. They were flying to France. The plane got up to, I I forget what the altitude was, and it blew up. Mm -hmm. Well, the NTSB and the FBI said a spark in the fuel tank exploded. However, we found an ex-military guy on Long Island who was in a helicopter that night. This guy served in Vietnam. He knows what a missile looks like. And in his heart of hearts, he told us that a missile took out that aircraft. And, um, you know, I, I contacted again the NTSB. No, this is what happened. They Nobody would buy it that uh, that this happened. In fact, we went to the hearings in Baltimore that the NTSB had, mm-hmm. and what's interesting about that: not one witness, other people saw something coming up from the ocean level mm-hmm. to, towards the aircraft, not, and that that is documented in FBI reports we had, but not one of those people were asked
1: to testify. Uh, ABC had a reporter that was following that, but it never really went anywhere. You're right, that that story never really advanced. But I remember that Montourville story. That was such a heartbreaking story oh, yeah. in that town. That town was just devastated. Yeah. I mean, you remember yeah, that? And they Heart- still
0: have the memorial at the high school, and they still have an annual observance <laughs> every year on that date. Yeah,
1: you know, I want to go back to Old Forge, because uh, you and I were very involved, uh, All three of us, with the uh, Alisio murder of the Ziemba kids. Now, on the night that he was arrested, you were there at his arrest. I was doing a live broadcast with Ernie Priet out on the corner. Do you remember that, Bob? Yeah, because I called the the Alisio
2: house. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) I did. A partially uh, built house. I I, I think I talked to the father. And I said, you probably see the searchlights on your house. You know, they say your sons did A and B. Uh, No, he didn't. And then uh, the phone conversation ended, and I forget his name, Mike Jordan? I think he was a trooper. Yeah, he he turned out to be
0: one of the
1: commanders eventually, but he was one of the lead investigators on the case. He and Bobby
0: James and that whole Walter Carlson. Jerry Gatano, yeah.
2: He wanted me arrested for obstruction of justice. (laughs) One of many times. (laughs) (laughs) He was a nice nice guy. He was just doing his job. The other thing uh, that that they wanted to arrest me for, there was a cemetery in Avoca, an old cemetery and the documentation of where the graves were, were wasn't very good. What they were doing is they would dig a grave, find that they would come across a grave that was there, and instead of backing up and covering it up, they removed parts of caskets, bones, and threw them over the embankment. I took the, uh, we went there. I took the bones to, uh, a forensic pathologist in New York city and the evoca t- police chief at the time wanted me arrested for, uh, abuse of corpse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is incredible. A- <laughs> now, listen, we have lots of people that are asking about some of your stories. Um, we got to take a break for headline news, but I want to tell you. Uh, someone said, please, I me- you mentioned it, Frank, but I want you to talk a- about the Lenario story because I'm a last living relative. I wanted to talk about that. It happened in Troop. We were both there. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back on WILK. 25 minutes now before 5 o'clock. I pressed uh, Bob Reynolds to stay for a, a bit, and I've asked Mark Davis to be here because we're just talking about some of these stories. And, you know, while the news was on, I'm just thinking, Bob and Mark... The community has been changed in so many ways because of this story. I mean, you're talking about the, the, that landfill story. You're talking about the share murder investigation. I mean, these well, weren't just news stories. These, these impacted it. Bob is so modest because we were talking during one of the breaks and he said, all I ever tried to do
0: was make a difference. I said, my gosh, my a God, make a the difference around the corner. And we we're also talking about he would get dozens and dozens of tips some of which made error, some of which didn't, because it took hours or days to investigate a claim by a caller or something that you'd get in the mail. Right. And you'd have to check it out. And we'd have to go through all of the checks and balances. And some of them never made error because it couldn't be proven. Others did. And you did make a difference in so many ways.
1: Uh, somebody <laughs> wants to know, uh, are you a ham radio guy? That's oh, right. big time!
2: Yeah, John's W, w-, w- B three D Y E. Yep.
1: Still,
0: oh yeah. Oh, he's been doing that for decades,
1: we, all the time. We, you know, we used to joke about you that you know it's, it's like Absher would have uh, you know an, an EPA manual that will that would come in and be sitting on his desk, and we'd walk by and go, "Oh, there's reading material for Reynolds." Today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I mean,
0: and it would your, be like three or four <laughs> inches high. Right. Yeah.
1: Nobody, no human being could understand, but you. Well, I have a special talent. It's got nothing to
2: do with my wife. Um, <laughs> if you give me a six-digit number, a frequency for any of the agencies around here, I can tell you what it is. Yep. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday,
0: but, but you can remember, remember the six-digit what the frequency is for all of the various agencies. Yes.
1: <laughs> you mean on on the scanners?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and and I had stories that you would listen. You'd have a pocket scanner back in the days of right. Mm-hmm reporting. And you'd hear, you'd know the codes for all the cars for the investigators that you were in regular contact with. And I can remember one day I'm at the courthouse covering something and I heard all these cars going to Hanover Township. And I'm thinking, why would they all be there? So we leave the courthouse, we walk into the Hanover Township police station and the DA is there The chief county detective is there, two police chiefs are there and say, what the heck are you doing here? And I said, I'm just gonna ask you the same question. It turned out to be a major child abuse murder investigation that we worked for two weeks before it ever hit air Hmm. because they were investigating this child abuse. And in the middle of the questioning of the suspect, the guy said, I didn't kill that girl and they were trying to find out if he was linked to a murder 21 years ago in Hazleton where a young girl was abducted. So for two weeks, I sat on that story and kept checking and checking and checking. The afternoon, two weeks later, they're digging up this guy's yard because they're convinced there were bodies buried in his yard, Chester Condred. I still Mm -hmm. remember it like it was yesterday. Turned out they didn't find anything, but it was one of those stories that and you did this all the time. You would know things were going to happen because of what you dug up. But there was a time and a place to release it once right. you got everything checked out and everything verified. Yeah, make sure
2: it was accurate. Right, right,
0: right. Because, again, like you said, the lawyers or Bob Absher, sometimes the one and the same, would check everything before it ever hit air.
1: Bob, uh, someone just texted this, and, and you know we're talking about making a difference. I am ninety years old, and I remember when they claimed that a bulldozer pushed those tombstones over the hill by mistake. I never knew it was ever investigated. One of those graves belonged to my great uncle. Wow! I mean, this is this is where you know you, you begin to touch lives. That's that's amazing, amazing stuff.
2: There's one one other thing if I can mention. We did, as Mark said, a lot of stories on child abuse. There was uh, two parents in Shikshini who were abusing their daughter. Her name was April. And this kid was five, six years old. They were pushing her face into hot plates of spaghetti at their house. One day they went too far and they were zinging her off the walls at a... uh, Parade. Uh, we went, interviewed witnesses uh, and I called the county detectives and I said, We're going to air this. All I ask is that you give us a heads up when you arrest these people. Mm-hmm. And they went to jail. And mm-hmm. April, I don't know what ever happened with the.
0: Yeah, but we were talking in one of the breaks. And eventually that led to other investigations of Luzerne County children and youth at the time. And the director then resigned because of all the things that were uncovered by Bob and his photographer, Tom Hovey. Okay,
1: 20 minutes... 15 minutes before 5 o'clock. I, I press these guys to stay till 5 because there's just some stories I want to talk about. And some people from Troop, Bob and Mark, just want us to talk a little bit about the Lanario murders. This was 1983, if you remember. This was uh, Angelina, James, and... Was it Joseph, uh, David Camille, who was convicted, broke into their house because he heard they had money, coin collection, killed all three of them in troop. He needed money to pay lawyers because he was accused of rape, and it was a whole mess. Do you remember going door to door? You were a you great... Were no,
2: abre- I, I wasn't involved in that.
1: Yes, you were. But well, you may not have been, but I remember Bobby James saying, because you and I were going door to door, knocking, looking for information. You might have been pulled off the story, but I'll never forget he came and said, I'm going to arrest you and Reynolds if you keep interfering with my investigation. I said, Bobby, we're just trying to get information.
2: <laughs> yeah, if you would give it to us, it wouldn't be a problem.
1: <laughs> Which brings up a point. You hear so much about about media relation. We had no problem with law enforcement when we treated no. them with respect, right?
0: It was, it's a two-way street though. It's respect and trust. Yeah. Because we wouldn't go with anything until it was completely verified and proven. We weren't going to just take a tip and go on the air with it without proof, without, you know, the, the the facts to back it up. And, you know, we were only as good as our sources. And- you know, you would learn something, and then you'd have to dig it out, and then you would check it and recheck it before it ever hit air. And it was something that they knew you weren't going to run with something unless you had it verified. And Bob, that's you, the thing.
1: You did a special report once called "There's No Place to Hide." What? What was that?
0: To make a long
2: story short, uh, we got a bunch of federal c- documents that showed if there was an atomic attack from Russia, they would take people in the urban areas of New York City and bring them here. And we also were able to show why an atomic bomb would be dropped here because of Toby Hanna, where all the interstates meet. And uh, I think that was just a here's something you may may want to know about. Uh, but that was through getting federal documents to, to tell the story. But um, uh, I know there was a guy in Susquehanna County who confirmed all this. Yeah, that, that's right. But it, it was just a, a story. It's a neat thing to know. Nothing ever came of it.
1: No, because (laughs) thankfully we're
0: we're still here. I mean, the business has changed so much and now we're really really gonna sound like a bunch of dinosaurs, but we were fortunate. And Frank, you and I talk about this all the time. We had a local station in a mid-sized market who was willing to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a staff, on a helicopter, on several live trucks and everything. Like it was a business then, but it wasn't a business like it's a business now. And we would spend money because it was worth the product you got at the end. And we we call it the golden age. I mean, right. you talk to, to young people that are getting into the business now, and they just can't believe the way it was as opposed to the way it is.
1: Now, under, under Stuber, Paul Stuber, big Paul Stuber, uh, NEP Newswatch 16 was the highest rated newscast in the country at one point. I still have know?
0: my framed copy of Broadcasting Magazine that they gave us when that happened.
1: And I remember him yeah. when Hurricane Andrew wiped out his house, he lost that. And he said, I don't care about the furniture, I don't care about anything. I lost all my memories of, you know, all the stuff that he had framed, all that kind of stuff. Just-
0: Just yesterday, Eyewitness News in New York, WABC Channel 7, turned 50 for Eyewitness News. And they played a piece that Phil Yacobuski put on Facebook and he put it on there because there are three shots of a young Paul Stuber in that newsroom wow. when he was first starting out in the business.
1: Now he, he passed away, you know, God yes. bless his memory. But, uh, yeah, he was a great news director, too.
2: Well, but, uh, Bill O'Reilly started at
1: six. Yes, he did. Yes, he
0: did. Yeah.
1: But he was writing jokes for Uncle Ted's ghoul school, wasn't he?
0: As well as being a reporter for a couple of years before he went to New York and made it big.
1: Uh, what other stories do you remember, Bob? We got about five minutes left.
2: Um, I talked about the child abuse stories. Another one that comes to mind is in Palmerton. They had they used to have a uh, smelting operation, zinc, zinc
0: plant that turned the mountain blue.
2: Oh, that's it right. Killed, it killed zinc kills bacteria. Yep. Well, there was no back. There was a lack of bacteria that nothing would grow because the zinc was there. Because you could see it every time you, you drove it I mean, down. You go by the tunnel. By the
0: Lehigh tunnel. Right. I always remember that story because it the whole mountainside was barren. There was nothing there.
2: Yeah, well, we found out that uh, great amounts of lead were in people's yards from the smelting operation. And the EPA came in there, were digging up yards and uh, the kids were tracking it into the house. Uh, I think they've they got it under control, and that mountain looks better. They, oh, it's, the it's feds, come back. It's, yeah, it's green. Yeah, the feds have been up there with fertilizer and trees and. But um,
1: I'm sure when I leave here, Frank, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll think I'll of think, twenty more. Uh, I'll, I'll, Wait, gonna, you you mentioned Butler Mine Tunnel. I don't. Yes, I don't, Butler Mine Tunnel
0: in Pittston, and the uh, that was another illegal dumping case, and we were talking during one of the breaks. I remember that it was prosecuted by the state attorney general, and the assistant attorney general was James West, and they prosecuted case after case after case of midnight dumping down the boreholes in the Pittston-Jenkins township area of oil and all kinds of hazardous, hazardous material that yeah. actually went into the mines and then would come out. At the Butler Mine Tunnel in Pittston,
1: you know, Bob, uh, when when the movie Anchorman came out, you know, I know everybody wanted to go see it. See if it was like you were the kind of reporter that never got assigned to cover the feline fashion shows. (laughs) You always
2: had the heart. I tell you what. Quick story. (laughs) We had a news director who wanted a pet story every Friday, and it was on a rotating basis. Well, you know, it's usually the the cuddly cat or the nice dog. <laughs> right. I I went down to do it, and I came back with a hard news piece. <laughs> I was never asked to do it again.
1: Right. You probably came back with some animal abuse case <laughs> or something. I forget what it was. Sky Camp 16. How can we ever not, you know, polish Jack Ruland's Halo? That was such a major part of our lives.
0: Oh, I'm telling you. It, was just, it was just amazing. I was telling the story during the break that one time... <laughs> station flew me to Danbury, Connecticut at six o'clock one morning to get Russell Buffalino coming out of federal prison as one of his prison terms had expired and he was being released because we would gotten a tip that he was going to be arrested the minute he came off the prison grounds in another case. So we were there. We followed him and the FBI to federal court in Manhattan and the prosecutor on that case was a young new assistant U.S. attorney by the name of Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) Wow. And I covered that case when I went to trial. For two weeks, I was in New York City covering that case. And it was just something that we did as a matter of course, as a matter of fact. And it was just, it was a story. It had local ties. You went to where the story was and you covered it. Wow,
1: amazing. Uh, You know, there's so many people that were part of our lives, but Jack Ruland, uh, amazing. In, In the... The, the helicopter chase, the Kenneth Lunan, were you in the chopper doing something else when that happened or were, no, did you jump we, in it and we, go? we
2: heard on the scanner. On the scanner, yep. We heard the chase. And I, I forget who the assignment editor was and I said, we should go. He said, go. We took off. It was probably the current he was, news director, Carl Abraham, was probably on the desk. He was. Yeah, right. He was uh, going up 81 and we followed him and eventually his the the van he stole looked like Swiss cheese when they finally stopped him.
1: Right. The he, shots. he stole it at the, which is the state hospital, which is now gone. Geno right. Murley Center. Right. Stole the laundry truck. High speed chase. You know, a million cops. Looked like, you know, looked like a parade. And then they finally, they finally stopped him up on Snake Road. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Uh, pretty close to the river there. Yeah. near Falls. At the Lackawanna yeah. County, Wyoming County line. Right. Yep.
1: Well, this has been an incredible, incredible time, Bob. It's so it's great to see you, but I I I think what I want to say is thank you for all these stories. Absolutely. I mean, you you, if you
2: want to you want to bring me back, we can talk more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You go home tonight and write down the stories we missed, or the ones he thinks about (laughs) as he's driving home. Exactly, but I mean, you you know, I, I just want you to know because I'm sure that a lot of people have not said this as clear as I am right now in the air you have changed the entire community 21 counties because of your great reporting
2: thank you i want to i want to say 73 which is best wishes to all my ham radio friends well this is wb3dye
1: <laughs> thank you god bless you both we'll be right back